Pages of Pim Better Podcast. Greetings, Voyagers. Welcome to the Voyages of Tim Vetter podcast. This is episode number 237. And we're out of the country for the first time since the pandemic started. And it feels good. We are in Honduras. We're on an island called Roatan. It's part of the Bay Islands, just, I think, about 30 miles off of the coast of Honduras. And it is beautiful here. So let me give you a quick little rundown. We're staying in an area called West End. West End is the home of Half Moon Bay. It's like a small stretch of beach where there's like a ton of local kids come out to play. It's Sunday today. So kids are playing like this like king of the hill game on the docks, like throwing each other off and the strongest kid gets to reign supreme. The waters are crystal clear. There's a natural reef here. I think actually it's like the second biggest reef in the world running from Mexico on down to Panama. So divers flock here. There's tons of certified divers that come here to check out what's going on. Uh, I will have somebody on, I believe, to talk about the reef and some conservation later on. But there's a lot of cool stuff happening here and it's, it's beautiful. It's laid back. In West End, it's a bit more backpacker friendly than the popular tourist area, which is called West Bay. We went to West Bay. You, you take a water taxi and even that ride is really fun. And it's gorgeous there in a big stretch of beach. But a lot of like jet skiing and parasailing and people trying to sell you things and people there to have fancy cocktails. I'm not knocking it. You know, people need to get back out in the world after the pandemic. But that vibe isn't really for us. It's uh, much more backpacker friendly in West End and uh, a bit more affordable. It's cool, man. It's real cool. Delicious street food. The coffee here is amazing. Some really cool bars. There's a, a great expat bar called Sundowners. Uh, at night, we went for some live music. Uh, Les goes there, or Leslie goes there in the morning to do uh, yoga. They have yoga every day. I went one day to do a yin, yin yoga class. Yin is a restorative type of yoga. And there was a like live bass and a man playing flute, and the instructor was singing in Sanskrit. It was, it was an awesome way to start the day. Uh, and then you go there at night, you order a local beer, as they say when you go out to drink here, and that's a, a Salva Vida, an Imperial, or Port Royal. Uh, really good stuff. The first night we were here, it's you know just like traveling again to an island. We were out. It's real hot. We got some ice cold Salva Vidas. They go down like water, and in the middle of having second or third, the power on the island goes out, and everything's pitch black, but in two seconds, uh, the proprietor comes and brings you a candle, and everything's cool, and then you start to hear the generators kick in at the places that have generators. It's a familiar sight and a familiar sound, and I am happy. <laughs> I'm really happy to be back on the road. So like I said, I will have... Uh, few more episodes coming to you from Roatan before we leave. But today, I had a guest named Vidal Viela. Sorry if I messed up your last name there, Vidal. Let me try again. Vidal Viela. And he is the owner of Roatan Chocolate Factory. It's uh, their uh, storefront 
an actual factory where they make it is right here in West End in Roatan, just like a stone's throw from where we're staying. But they source their cacao uh, from the Mosquito Coast in Honduras. And he's going to tell you about that. We went there and had breakfast with him before we recorded. And he has an incredible uh, knowledge of history, of the region, of cacao. It was fascinating talking to him. I feel bad at times that sometimes the, the best parts of meeting people who are guests on the podcast happen off recording. Uh, I heard some really fascinating things from him. That He's someone that you could learn a lot from. So when you come to Rotan, you must go to his chocolate factory. They do tours there and they have a whole shelf of free samples. You can also go there and, and have food. That's how we had breakfast with him. But they have like 10 different types of uh, chocolate bars and cacao. It's, they have a chocolate uh, with coffee, one with sea salt, passion fruit with spicy chili. Amazing stuff. So we left there with some awesome loot that we're bringing home. Man, having an awesome time here so far. I'm going to stop blabbering and uh, send you straight into this conversation with Vidal. Okay, cool. Well, Vidal, thank you for having us here. Uh, it's been a pleasure getting to know you so far, and it's an honor to spend some time in your place here. So thank you. Uh, you're welcome. You're welcome anytime. Cool. So we are in Roatan. Yes. Are you originally from here? No, I, I was born in Tegucigalpa, which is the capital of Honduras, many years ago. Uh, but uh, my wife and I have been living in Roatan for the last, um, I believe, like 14 years. 14 years. Um, when you came here, were you working in the world of chocolate? No. No. We, uh, I was in the furniture business. Really? Well, I was in the uh, coatings for furniture business. Yeah. Coating? Yeah, yeah. I used to work with a company called Valspar Corporation in the U.S., a paint company from Minneapolis, Minnesota. Oh, okay. I yeah, see. so, um, no, I was, com I was here. I was actually here um, on a project selling furniture and and my wife was just passing by uh, she was traveling through Latin America and we met and the rest is history yeah <laughs> now we're going to be talking about cacao and chocolate so I was wondering if you could first just tell people what cacao is because I think many people might be surprised to learn that it's actually from like a, a fruit bearing plant yes um uh, cacao comes from the cacao tree. The scientific name is Theobroma cacao. As I told you before, Theobroma means the brew of the gods. And that name comes because the Mayans, for the Mayans, the cacao tree was a sacred tree. And they did not have chocolate per se, but they did consume cacao in a in a beer form, you could say, they would they would uh, grab the cacao, ferment it, and once it was fermented, sugars would turn into alcohols, they would drink it, mm. and then they would have their um, their ceremonies with it. So um, because they were drinking it, uh, the scientists named it Theobroma, which means the brew of the gods, because that's what they would do with it. And, and that's the scientific name, Theobroma cacao. 
Teoroma cacao, the cacao tree, um, only grows 20 degrees above or below the equator, nowhere else. So if you want to grow it in the U.S., it won't grow there. Maybe in Key West, Florida. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. So the farthest north in the Americas you can grow it is kind of like the Yucatan Peninsula. And the farthest south is by Peru. Yeah. Um, but according to some scientists, according to an article in National Geographic, um, the origins of cacao um, are in Mesoamerica, which is where we are. Uh, the cacao tree, um, it's a tropical tree. It needs lots of rains and it needs a canopy. Okay? So it's environmentally friendly because you need to have trees on top of it. Mm. Tropical rainforest tree. Cacao ro- grows best in the rainforest. Okay? It doesn't grow on high altitudes. It likes to grow on rainforest. And the tree it grows to maybe the size of an orange tree. I don't know if you've ever seen an orange tree, a bit bigger than that, a little taller than that. Uh, it, takes, um, it takes four years for the first crop to come out. Uh, and then there's usually two crops per year, uh, depending on the region where you are. And uh, it's very interesting that the cacao fruit grows out of the trunk, not not out of the uh, uh, like out of you know out of a branch by itself. Yeah, no, it I didn't grows, know that. Yes, it grows. It, grows, it comes out of the trunk, so it's a really really neat tree to watch. The pulpy white part yeah. of the fruit can that be used for anything? It's delicious to eat it just like that. Remember, it's a fruit. Yeah. Okay, cacao is actually a fruit. Okay, it's not a nut. It's a fruit. It's a seed. It's a, so the cacao chocolate is made from the seed of the cacao tree. So the seed is surrounded by this white gooish um, substance. See it there? Yeah, in the pod, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah and that's really sweet. It's like sweet and sour. I don't know if you... Have you ever had... Um, uh, soursop? Yes. It's similar to soursop in the taste. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And that is when you when you cut the fruit, that that white whitish uh, goo is what ferments the bean. Um, once you you cut the fruit open, get all the beans out along with the goo, and you put them on a bed about two feet from the um from the floor and you cover it. <clears throat> Um, where cacao comes from, the mosquito coats, they cover it with banana leaves. And it has to ferment between four and seven days. Yes, and after that, it dries and it gets shipped to us. That frothy yeah. cacao drink that the Mayans were drinking, yeah. that was often, or often they would add like a, a chili to that, right? To make it like a spicy drink. Yes, they did. Yes, yeah. yes. I think the Aztecs did that. Oh, the Aztecs, okay. It was mostly the Aztecs, but uh, yeah, I don't think, uh, I may have been the Mayans too, but I know the Aztecs did that. And we were chatting before that the cacao itself was actually traded as a currency in yeah, the Mesoamerican uh, how we How we went about is is the following. Um, the Aztecs, it, it was actually the Aztecs, who, not the Mayans, it was the Aztecs who started uh, that trend. And it was because the Aztec capital, um, Teotihuacan, what was it, Teotihuacan? Yeah, yeah. Okay, 
that's very high up. So cacao doesn't grow there. Okay. So the Aztecs, uh, at that time, the Mayans had already disappeared from these areas. But um, there was the Payas in these areas. Uh, a couple other um, ethnicities. Um, and the Aztecs would, because they could not grow cacao there, they would trade cacao. They would, uh, you know, they would trade. They mm. would come and try to buy cacao from these local uh, groups. And that's how the cacao bean became a currency, okay? Because then these people, you know, would... The Maya, um, the Aztecs started... It became so, so sought after that it started turning into a currency, mm. you know, and they would trade it for other things. Yeah, so that's how that came about because the Aztecs could not grow it where they lived, so they have to come and get it from these areas. I see. And you were saying before that scientists have been able to use, I guess, like carbon dating to figure out that this region here in Honduras yes. is one of like the original places that cacao was grown. Yes. Um, uh, several years ago, scientists from the University of Pennsylvania were doing some diggings, uh, some exploration in the mainland of Honduras um, by a river that's called the Ulua River. And in, in a little area there called Puerto Escondido, which is not on the coast, it's just the name of the little place on the Ulua River, they unearthed a, um, a stone vase that they carbon dated to, I believe, was 1200 BC, which is 3,200 years ago. And inside the vase, they found traces of the chemical Theobroma cacao, okay, which is, you know, the scientific name for cocoa. Mm. So that's the oldest known scientifically proven use of cacao in the world. Okay. So where specifically does the cacao that you source for your chocolate come from? Okay. Our cacao comes from a region of Honduras called the Mosquito Coast or Mosquitia, okay? It's a very remote area of Honduras. Um, um, it's an area shared by Honduras and Nicaragua. Um, that's where the indigenous um, Paya, Tawanka, and Mosquito Indians live. Very remote, there's no roads there. Uh, you can only get there by plane. Um, if you go by plane, it's like an hour and a half from La Ceiba on a small plane. Or you can go uh, by land. Uh, very long, very long trip, like two or three days to get there. Wow. Yes. Yeah, you have to go down through the river, Patuk River. So our cacao <coughs> comes from the rainforest um, in the Rio Platano biosphere, which is a World Heritage Site. And, and also uh, right next door in the Rio Patuca and the Patuca River. And it gets processed in the community of Wampu Sirpi in the Mosquito Coast. Why do you source from there? I've always had a thing about the Mosquito Coast for some very strange reason. Um, I had a very, I have a fascination with that area, its history. Uh, I have been there several times. I love going to the rainforest. And we, when we started our factory, we did not begin with 
Mosquito Coast uh, cacao, but for some reason it was stuck in my mind. And somehow we figured a way to get it. Okay. We figured a way to get it, uh, plus the fact that the cacao from the Mosquito Coast is wild grown cacao of the Criollo and, um, and Trinitarian variety, which are the, some of the nicest, highest quality cacao beans that you can find anywhere in the world. Plus the fact that by doing this, the Mosquito Coast is very remote and there are not many sources of income for the local population. So we are one of the few uh, companies ah, I see. that um, provide uh, some kind of income for them. Now that region, didn't archaeologists find like potentially a lost city or remnants of it exactly. there? Exactly. That's actually like about 40 miles from our cacao grows. Yes. Uh, they call it the Monkey God City or the White City. Uh, St- uh, Steve Elkins, I believe is his name. As the guy who discovered it by doing uh, LIDAR, mm. um, uh, LIDAR technology. And yes, and it's still being, I mean, that was not long ago, a couple of years ago. And they are still, um, uh, they're still digging there. It's, it's very remote. You can only get there by helicopter. They found the jaguar statues and... Yes, they, they found a huge jaguar and that's why we have our collection. Uh, with the Wildlife Conservation Society, you have the Jaguar Bar because oh, I um, see. we're trying to protect uh, our project with WCS. We're trying to protect jaguars in the Mosquito Coast. Yes. And I guess that region is being threatened by like deforestation or? Yes. If you see, you see that poster over there? We took that poster to Paris. It says, ask us what this means. Mm. You know what that means? And so, because people are just hearing it, it's like forest that's been deforested into the shape of a cattle. So I'm guessing like cattle ranching and exactly uh, uh, the Ladinos, which is like the people that um, that are not from the Mosquito Coast, people from mainland Honduras, little by little are populating there, and they go, they destroy the rainforest to create uh, cattle fields, fields for cattle to to roam, mm. and that's destroying the rainforest little by little. So wow. by um, by repopulating areas that have been used for cattle with cacao, you know, we are uh, recovering part of the rainforest. Oh, that's amazing. So your, your history about this or your knowledge of the history about this topic is far superior to mine. Like you were telling <laughs> us all sorts of amazing stuff. But I do know that when the Spanish conquistadors came, that whole system of colonization and imperialism really spurred on industrialization. And, and one of the things that was sort of a byproduct and helped to fuel industrialization was coffee shops um, and bringing sugar over to Europe. But alongside coffee, this is now when a hot chocolate drink was becoming popularized in Europe as well. So you were telling me, and which, which I didn't know, that a lot of the... Or a lot of the, the chocolate that was grown in Europe and, and, and is currently grown in Europe was transplanted... Well, well, no, excuse me, not grown in Europe, uh, sold in, in Europe. Sold in Europe, I'm sorry. Was transplanted from the Americas to Africa. Yes, exactly. Uh, 
uh, cacao is originally from the Americas, as we said it before. The, it originally was two varieties, criollo from Mesoamerica and forastero from the Amazon basin. Mm-hmm. And uh, Portuguese, French, and British brought it, uh, took it to, to Africa, uh, to Ivory Coast, Ghana, and, and countries around that area. And that uh, is where now most of the cacao in the world is grown. Um, remember, that's also within the 20 degrees above or below the equator. Right. So most cacao you hear, you'll hear Equatorial Africa, Indonesia, Philippines, and Central America, and, uh, and South America. That's the only places you see cacao grow. Madagascar also, which is on the other side of Africa. In the States, obviously, most people have heard of Hershey's. Do you know where they source their cacao from? Africa. Most, really? Yeah. Most, 90% of the world's cacao, now I'd say about 80%, uh, comes from Africa and is of the Forastero variety, which is the lowest quality cacao in the world. It's a bit bitter. Now, is, is the advantage of a major corporation or company using a lower quality because it's cheaper? Yes. It's mm. cheaper. It's easier to grow. Ah. Yeah. It's way, it's a lot easier to grow than the criollo bean. Um, and it's, and it's way cheaper. Like the price we buy cacao, it's probably triple of the price of you buy a cacao from Africa. And so when they... And also- we get it directly from the jungle. Right. Yeah. When, you know, they'll market themselves as like world's, world's finest or world's elegant or rich uh, cacao chocolate. That, that's really just like name brand recognition. It's not actually like this is the finest cacao. Right. Yeah. 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 The Criollo cacao from Central America and from parts of Peru now and Ecuador, that's the highest quality cocoa bean in the world. Actually, there's one that's very, very famous, but it's grown very little. Um, it's called, um, I think it's called Terciopelo or something like that. It's from, it's only grown in this farm in Venezuela. Really? Yeah, and it's actually white cacao. Yeah. So how would you define quality? Is it like purity and most antioxidants? Okay. As I told you, there are three varieties of cacao. Forastero, um, Trinitarian, and Criollo. Trinitarian is a mix of Forastero and Criollo. That's the three. So quality is based upon which type of cacao bean it is, okay? If it's Forastero, flavor-wise, it's not the highest quality, okay? Then the highest qualities are Trinitarian, which there are many strains of, and Criollo. Criollo is maybe 1% of the world's production. It's very rare to find. So most of the high-quality cacao beans you find are the criollo variety, okay? So that's one aspect of it, which type of cacao bean it is. Secondly, is the fermentation process. You can have the best cocoa bean in the planet, but if you don't ferment it properly, Mm. it's not going to taste well. That's another story. I am not an expert on fermentation. Uh, I leave that to the people on the field. Yeah. But it requires a lot of knowledge uh, when to, st- you know, when to start and when to stop the process. 
I see. Yes. So those two things make up the majority of the factors for a good quality chocolate. But then also you have uh, the process of uh, produce, producing the chocolate. And there um, you need specific machinery to create um, a high quality chocolate. Uh, How we, do you go from like a cacao bean to a chocolate bar? Okay, we receive our beans from the Mosquito Coast. Our, our beans come directly from the jungle. It takes about a week to get from the Mosquito Coast to Roatan. Yeah, it, they get shipped out through the Patuk River for a couple of days till they get to a zone called Catacama Solancho. No, actually to a certain little town in the river. And then it's five hours by truck to the city of Catacama Solancho. And then they, from there, they truck it to La Ceiba another day. And then from La Ceiba, it gets put on a boat to Roatan. And like today, I'm about to go get half a ton of cacao on the boat. Right wow, after I speak that's with a you. lot. Yeah, so it does take some time for us to get it, but it's some amazing um, chocolate uh, cacao. Once, once we have it, the first thing we do um, is um, we roast it, okay? Uh, very interesting. I, I did, I, my cacao is really clean. It comes very clean from Mosquito. I thought all cacao in the world was like that. But no, most cacao from Africa is very dirty. It's got particles of other things in it. I didn't know that until yeah. I, I went to visit another factory and I saw... Uh, how they got it, yeah. But no, our cacao comes very, very clean. We just directly into um, into the roasting process. Okay, so we roast the cacao bean uh, for a specific time. Depends on the humidity of the bean. Um, and then after that, not for long, 15 to 25 minutes, depending on the humidity of the bean. And then after that, we put it to a machine that's called a winnower. A winnower breaks it and it separates. Uh, once you break the cacao bean, the inside of the bean is called the cacao nib. Okay, it's, it's broken into little pieces. And then there's the shell. So this machine separates the shell from uh, the nib, so the little pieces of bean. Uh, that's done very quickly. Uh, once that's done, we have uh, a grinder. Uh, we specifically use uh, a, a brand from uh, a company from Milan, Italy, that produces very, very good uh, machines. It's called FBM, Food Boscolo Machines. Uh, so our equipment is usually that brand for this part of the process. Uh, we have... Um, a grinder that can process up to 100 kilos per hour. Oh. Yeah, and that uh, grinds the product, not finely, but it does grind it. And once you grind it, it comes out as a paste because remember, the bean has cocoa butter in it. So once you grind it, it becomes uh, pasty. Okay. Yeah. So once we do the paste, and that's called cacao paste or cacao liqueur. Once we do that, um, we have two types, mainly two types of chocolate, milk and dark. So our milk choco our dark chocolate has only two ingredients, cacao and sugar. 
It has no soy lecithin, which most commercial chocolates has. It has no palm oil, which most chocolates have to reduce costs. Uh, it has no vanilla, which they add for flavor because it's usually made with very low quality cacao from Africa. So no, our cacao has just two ingredients, cacao and sugar, that's our dark, and our milk, cacao, sugar, and powdered milk. We also make white chocolate. White chocolate, uh, there's a lot of arguing about this. Some people say it's not really chocolate because it's got zero cacao solids because it's just cocoa butter, sugar, and milk. So the cocoa actually is a byproduct of the fruit as well. Cocoa. Like powdered cocoa? Yeah. So, I, you know, I've prior to like learning about this, I never knew the distinction between like cocoa and cacao because the words are very similar. <laughs> yes. But the, the cocoa is also it just extracted from... Yes, that's a different process. We don't, mm. uh, like we don't do that here yet. Uh, for that, you need a, a hydraulic press. Okay, you put the cacao after it's dry, fermented, put it in a, this hydraulic press at high, high pressure, and it extracts the cacao uh, butter mm. from it. And what's left, they go through a process of drying it and pulverizing it, and, and that's cocoa powder. And that's what's called cocoa. Cocoa I see. powder. So you got two things coming out of the bean, cocoa powder and cocoa butter. Um, but to make chocolate, it's a different process. To make chocolate, we put the cacao bean. Sorry. <coughs> um, we put the cacao bean um, on the grinder. So uh, you come out with cacao paste. I see. Yeah. Once, uh, excuse me. No, no, no. You're good. Once it becomes space, then we move it to another machine. Uh, what we uh, you, there are different there are different options. What you can do with the cacao at this step. Um, we started with these little rollers, which is it's it's like um. It's a machine that has uh, two stones that are uh, oscillating, gyrating at a very high speed. And they grind it, right? They grind that paste. Um, or uh, what we have now, uh, it's called a ball mill, okay? So it's a machine that has about 70 pounds of steel balls. And that's where we put the paste and that's where we add the sugar or paste, sugar and milk to create a chocolate. Um, if you use these devices that have the stone uh, wheels, it takes up to 48, 72 hours to reach a certain specific um, particle size. What, um, now to truly taste cacao, you need it to go down to about 15 microns, between 20 and 15 microns particle size, because that's the right size for the particle to go into your papilla, you know, your little taste buds in your mm. mouth, that's the right size for it to go inside it and you can taste it. If it's higher than that, it doesn't really go into your papilla properly. And if it's lower than that, it just goes in and out. Yeah, so you need around that particle size. Uh, the machines that use um, stone rollers take up to 72 hours to reach that. Uh, our ball mill, it's, it's latest technology. We actually just got it about a year and a half ago uh, from Milan, from a, a food bus color machinery. And uh, that one, we can do 100 pounds in about six, seven hours. 
where did you learn how to do all this? Like, I never knew all the science to this. There's a lot to know. YouTube University. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of reading. Yeah, but we did. Uh, originally, when we got started, uh, very empirical, we were actually using the metates to grind the cacao. Um, we had this man from Holland. He was part of our program of people that are retired people that just come and uh, they do, um, uh, they show you how to do things. Mm. You know, for, so he came along when we just got started and he kind of showed us. We came like for like four days. But past that, a wife and I just just learning by ourselves. But then as you as you go to shows and meet other people in the fields, you, you start learning. Yeah. Now you could have additives. You could use palm oil. Yeah. You would it might be easier. You might have higher profits. Yes. What is your mindset about or what is the reason for not doing that and trying to keep it as pure as possible? Well, uh, we try to be, we're environmentally conscious and we try to uh, give back mm. to society, you know. Uh, nature has been very nice to us by providing us with the cacao tree that has helped us um, grow and give jobs to our people here on the island. There are very few industries on the island. We're probably one of five industries that exist Five companies that are actually industry. Mm -hmm. you know? By industry, I mean like not the tourist industry, but like production. You right. Know? Yeah, very few, very few. So, yeah, we try to bring back. We try to make a product very special. We try to make it the highest quality possible. And in order to do that, we need to have the best cacao from the best area, even though it's not so easy to source it from where we source it. But we feel good that we are giving back. We're giving back to the ethnic communities in the Mosquito Coast, you know. So it feels really good to see that, you know, someone that's coming from anywhere in the world visiting us here in the Bay Island, every time they buy a chocolate, part of that goes to help someone deep in the rainforest. Yeah. And it's, you know, and it isn't, doesn't go through that many layers also to reach those people. It's maybe one or two layers, and, and then it reaches them directly, you know. So it, it feels good, and it also feels good to make a very high-quality cacao bean while giving back. You were telling us that mosquito doesn't literally mean mosquito, as in, like, the coast has tons of mosquitoes. But are there any difficulties or dangers to sourcing? Like, are, are you dealing with potentially things like, Malaria or Zika or dengue? No, uh, actually, the problem is when you when you go over there, uh, the main source of income in the Mosquito Coast is drug trading. Okay, mm. because uh, a lot of planes come from Venezuela and Colombia directly to the Mosquito Coast. Uh, they have there's a lot of clandestine airfields, and they land there and they unload the product and then from then they they take it by land all the way to Mexico or to the U.S., but that's the first stop. So uh, the only dangerous thing is that, that there's uh, a lot of drug trafficking in the wow. Mosquito Coast. Yeah. Do you have to have, like, added security or anything no. for that? No. No. You don't get involved with them. They don't get involved with you. 
Okay. You know, yeah. So, but you know, that is dangerous, though. Yeah, but no, you uh, the the problem with the mosquito is that there's there's no hotels, there's no facility, there's nothing. It's very difficult to get there, mm. but it's a beautiful place to visit. Or do you have like a? Is the river very big, or do you have like a small vessel that goes up to get the cacao? Ah, uh, well, it's a big river for our standards. It's mm. not like the Mississippi River. No, it's usually uh, the boats they have over there. They're called pit pants, pipanting Spanish, which comes from the word pit pants. Uh, there is basically a, a long wooden boat made out of a single mahogany tree, or at least it used to be before we, when we had a lot more mahogany than now, with an inboard um, engine. Uh, actually, the locals call them tuk-tuks because of the noise the engine makes. It goes tuk-tuk-tuk-tuk-tuk. Oh. Yeah, so they're called tuk-tuks. So that's usually the mode of transportation in the Patuca River and in the Rio Platano River. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, can you quickly tell that story about how it did get its name? How what? Uh, how the uh, Mosquito Coast got okay, its yeah, name? Yeah, the, 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 the local population at that time in the 1500s, 1600s, they were not very fond of the Spaniards that came and populated Central America. So uh, the buccaneer ships, pirate ships would land in the Mosquito Coast uh, to refill, you know, with uh, whatever they needed to eat, with water, all kinds of things. So they started trading with the local population. Uh, and one of the forms of trade was, was with guns. So they would uh, supply them with um, a type of weapon that was called a musket. Like, you know... Um, oh, yeah. Uh, so, over time, people, the other ethnic communities, they would call these people the people that have the muskets, and that bastardized, degenerated into mosquit the mosquitias, you know? So, yeah. I see. Yeah, so that's, it's not because there's huge, giant mosquitoes right. there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but because of the fact that they had muskets. I see. Now, any kid growing up who has a sweet tooth and eats a lot of sweets, their parents will be like, not too many sweets before dinner or people in the States eating a lot of sweets will get a big belly. Uh, so some people might be surprised to know that cacao actually has a lot of properties that are really good for you. Can you talk about what some of those are? Yes, cacao by itself is considered the highest antioxidant content food in the world. It's got... Dozens of times more antioxidants than blueberries. Um, by itself, if you eat the cacao nibs, which is the pure cocoa bean, cacao bean lowers your blood pressure. Yeah, it lowers your blood pressure, and it contains a chemical, high amounts of a chemical called serotonin. No, I'm sorry, uh, it's called theobromine. Okay, theobromine is the main ingredient in cacao, and theobromine when you consume it, creates serotonin in mm. your brain. So it puts you in a good mood. So if you have pure cocoa beans or you have a 90, 80, 90% cacao chocolate, it puts you in a good mood. Yes, in a good mood, but not on a, not on a sugar high, which right. is what most commercial chocolates have. Have a lot of sugar, a lot of palm oil, a lot of added ingredients. And that's what's not good for you. But the cacao itself is a very healthy thing to eat. 
Yeah, it helps with depression, symptoms of like PMS. And yeah, it's got high amounts of potassium, high amounts of oh. calcium. Yeah, it's got more calcium than milk. I didn't know that. Yes. Now, you have a relationship with some uh, organizations and zoos in New York City, right? Yes. Last year, we started a program with the Wildlife Conservation Society. Uh, they are uh, the entity that runs all five zoos in New York, uh, all four zoos and the Coney Island Aquarium. And we started a program. We created a chocolate collection called uh, the Conservation Collection um, uh, that we are selling at all New York City zoos. And uh, we... By reaching disagreement with her, we support their efforts of conservation mm. in the Mosquito Coast. Yes, part of, um, there's a certain legal lingo I have to use here. Yeah, I understand. Up. But yes, we have a joint um, program with them where um, where we we have this collection that's sold at all New York City suits. And we support their efforts in the Mosquito Coast to protect the rainforest and to protect the jaguars. And we were talking earlier, we were like, okay, we're going to buy some chocolate, we're going to bring it home. We were like, I don't know, it's very hot here, <laughs> it might melt in our bags. But you were telling us because of its purity, it actually has a really high melting point and it's, you were able to ship it or to bring it home. Yeah. <clears throat> Cacao melts at body temperature. That's why once you put it in your tongue... It immediately melts. Yeah, it melts right about the temperature. Uh, and our chocolate has high, a high amount of cacao solids. Mm. So our chocolate doesn't melt very easy. Most commercial chocolates, again, melt uh, a lower point because of all the added stuff they have. Yeah, I so see. We, we have a, web, a website, uh, the rotanchocolatefactory.com. Uh, where you can purchase our chocolate and we ship all around the world. We use FedEx and ship our product uh, worldwide. That's amazing. And we were looking at the app before on your phone. So whatever people are listening in, I'll have a link to your website. Awesome. So they'll go straight there. Uh, before we close out, I did want to get your recommendation. Uh, obviously, besides coming to your factory here, if someone were to come to Roatan, maybe one thing or one place that they should go to eat and one activity or something that they should see here before they leave Roatan. <laughs> That's a tough one. <laughs> I don't do much touristy things <laughs> living here, but... Um, most uh, tourists try the baleadas, you know, which is um, it's a local uh, dish from, is originated in the mainland, in the north coast of Honduras. It's um, a flour tortilla with um, uh, refried beans in it, and, and, and then you can add the world to it. You can add butter, you can add cheese, you can add chicken, mm. you can add pork, you can add all kinds of stuff. I personally like it simple. Just beans, uh, butter, and and cheese. Yeah, we've found that the tortillas and the coffee here are amazing. The coffee is amazing. Honduras is, uh, right now, I believe, is the fifth largest exporter of coffee in the world. And actually, the most expensive coffee, a couple of years ago, they have this internet 
uh, bidding auctions, you know, for, for, for coffee that's very high quality. And I think, believe in, in the auction two years ago, the highest, paid ever, the highest price ever paid for coffee was a Honduran coffee. I think it was 300 pounds of a coffee from uh, La Paz area of Honduras. A Japanese company paid $130 per pound. Oh my God, yes. <laughs> that's a lot. So that's got to be some really good coffee. Wow. Yes. And then I guess it's probably safe to say something to do is go out on the water, whether it's snorkeling you or fishing. You've got to enjoy or... the water. We have the second largest coral reef in the world after the, um, the reef in Australia. So we get lots of people that come diving here. Um, I personally am not a diver myself, but I, mm-hmm. do, I do snorkeling, which is nice. Yeah, yeah. So that the, gotta get out on the water. If you do if you like fishing, we have some very decent fishing also, and, and we also have um, other little islands around that are very beautiful that you can do day trips to, like Cayos Cochinos, or um, or Saint Helene, which is that island next to us. Actually, we get our our almonds from Saint Helene. Yeah, oh yeah, local Helene almond. That's see right. That's the almond tree. See that tree right in front of you? That's almonds. Oh, I never knew. I yeah. eat a lot of almonds. In island, <laughs> island almonds, very different. Really? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So the island of Helene, uh, they just got electricity like five months ago. For the so, first time? For the first time, yeah. So if you want to see how the Caribbean used to be, still, still very, yeah, very pristine. Oh, that's very cool. Well, listen, thanks again. Um, I think what you're doing with the cacao is really fascinating uh, and cool and honorable, but also the education that you're providing through that about the Mosquito Coast and conservationism, I find fascinating and I think is something that's like altruistic and really good for for everyone to learn about. So thanks for doing what you're doing and thanks for having us. Thank you guys for having us. If you want to learn more about our program in the Mosquito Coast and the and with the New York Zoo, so you can go to our website, uh, www.theroatanchocolatefactory.com, and there's a lot more information regarding um, our conservation efforts in the Mosquito Coast. Thank you, guys, and yeah. I hope you enjoy our beautiful island. Cheers. Thanks. <laughs> Bye. Hey, Voyagers. That is a wrap on episode 237 of the Voyages of Tim Vetter podcast. I recorded this on, what is today? Sunday, July 18th. I've had some trouble sending files and uploading stuff. Just uh, the Wi-Fi where I'm staying isn't very strong. I might try to go to a cafe, but I hope to have this one out before I come back because I have a few more planned here, like I said, and then I've got some stuff planned for when I get home and I don't want a big backlog. So I don't know what day you might be listening to this or the first day that this is available, but hopefully it's shortly after after the 18th. And hopefully you enjoy this conversation with Vidal. I found him fascinating. Uh, And the history of cacao and chocolate is incredibly fascinating. If you're sitting on the couch eating a Snickers, you're probably not thinking (laughs) about uh, how that that chocolate and cacao was sourced or the history, um, the upending of, of empires and imperialism. It's really, really wild stuff. So thank you so much, Vidal. Thank you to all of you Voyagers. I'm so happy to be on the road bringing you stories from the places that I'm in again. So expect some more very soon. All right, I am sounding off for now and I will close as always with please, please, please take care of each other. I will catch you very, very soon. Mm-hmm.